At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Have you ever dreamed of starting your own photography business? If yes, then check out our new course, How to Start a Photography Business. It's led by pro-American photographer Crystal Kenny. She offers a breakdown on everything you need to succeed and make great money running your own photography business. Check out the link in the show notes to find out more. Hello, everyone. My name is Taya, and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with one of my old photographer friends, Catherine Robbins. Catherine is an American conceptual and portrait photographer who spent many years in Japan. We talk about her photography experiences there, what it's like taking long breaks from photography, tips for anyone who wants to get into concert photography, and much more. Please enjoy. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to Great Big Photography World podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, Tayo. It's nice to be here. So my name is Catherine. I am from California. I just got back from Japan a few years ago, and I'm now in Southern California. I like to shoot a lot of conceptual and fine art photography with mainly models. And yeah, I have a cat. I feel like you're <laughs> one of my oldest photographer friends, honestly. Yeah, it's been a long time. I think around the time I first started my photography, I think I found you maybe a year after that. It's been a long time. I can't remember how long, actually. But yeah, I feel like you've always just been there, which is a good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that it's a good feeling. That's No, really it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's very nice to be a part of a community and to have a few people who you know for a long time. It's very comforting. Mm -hmm. It is, especially when you're breaking into a new trade or a new craft or a new art, to be able to like message people and meet them, get to know them, even if they don't live next to you, it's it's really good. 
Yeah, there's a lot of power in that. And as you said, if somebody is a beginner in photography, for example, it might seem a bit intimidating, the whole world, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially if they compare themselves to other people, which I often mm -hmm. do. So it helps yes, so much, helps so much to just meet people virtually even and ask them for advice and to see that they're just normal people who just needed to work really hard to take the photos that they were taking. Yeah. You definitely were an inspiration for me too, so. Thank you, likewise. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just, Yay. the feeling is mutual. <laughs> oh, I'm happy. So let's talk about your beginnings as a photographer. You mentioned that you, you know, we kind of met around a year after you started, but what, it, what was it like to start out as a photographer? What was the initial inspiration? Um, hmm. Well, before that, I had um, always thought a little bit about photography when I was in my early teens, maybe 11 or 12. But what really got me started was when one of my best friends showed me um, DeviantArt. I had no idea what it was. I didn't know it existed, <laughs> but she was an artist already. And she showed it to me and she showed me a photographer that she liked and I don't remember the name now because it was over 10 years ago but that person really inspired me and I thought oh wow I want to be able to make photos like this someday and so a little bit after that I just started shooting simple things you know things that I hadn't had ideas for yet like clouds flowers just things that were available just because I just wanted to shoot something you know and then the more photographers on DeviantArt I found and the more that I became acquainted with and started following their work, um, ideas just kind of started coming into my head, my own ideas. And so I would get that friend's help with modeling because at the time I was 17, I didn't really know a lot about photography. I had like um, one of those cool pics, like um, point and shoot cameras. So I would get her to shoot me because I didn't even know how to work a tripod really but those were like the beginning stages for me and then I think I got my first DSLR when I was 19 maybe it was like right before I went to China and then that's when I started really getting into modeling and like um, shooting other people other than me <laughs> so Really interesting introduction to photography. I think most yeah. listeners can relate to that feeling, like shooting whatever you want to shoot and just having maybe a point and shoot camera and just not really knowing how to take photographs, but still enjoying the process. I think that's a really yeah. time in every photographer's life. I can definitely say that it yeah. was that way for me. Yeah. Yeah, same. You just want to shoot something. Yeah, there's, there's just no self-judgment because you don't have experience yet and you really haven't mm -hmm. started comparing yourself to anyone. So you're just there mm -hmm. taking photos and enjoying the process. It's so... Yeah, <laughs> it was such a good time. Yeah, it's a nice feeling. It's really <laughs> difficult to get back to that feeling, I think. Can you relate to that? Yeah, I do feel that way sometimes. I, uh, that feeling, especially if you're like in a, in a photography ride or any kind of ride really, but when sometimes I have just this block, I would like think about that time and I'd be like, okay, how do I get back to that? Because then I start feeling self-conscious about making photos that would look good or have a good message. Yeah, sometimes it's easy to 
catch yourself up the more that you learn and the more that you shoot. Yeah, it's an interesting dilemma because on one hand, it's really valuable to learn different things and to improve as a photographer. But on the other hand, the more you know, the more paranoid you might get. Obviously, this is the case for everyone, but I think we can relate to this. Yeah, yeah, not for everyone and not all the time, too. Just like little moments sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think there was a period in my life quite recently when I was going through this and I decided to take a break from photography. And that Mm -hmm. helped because it allowed me to think about what really matters to me as, Mm -hmm. as an artist and what I want to achieve. So that helped a lot. But what was your experience like when doubting your abilities or maybe wanting to take a break from photography? What helped you get back into taking photographs? Um, for me personally, the break is good to just relax and try and get your mind off of your anxieties, like why you might think you're tripping yourself up. But for me personally, um, what really helps me is to just look at other photographers' art because the more inspired I get, the more I'm like, oh, I really want to take a picture with this kind of lighting or like if I start looking at other photos I'll get inspired myself not all the time but usually if I'm in a photography rut that's one of the major things for me that kind of brings me out of it yeah it's a good approach I also find that it helps me and I think if there's a anyone who hasn't done that I highly recommend trying it out not just looking at anyone's work but picking out a few photographers whose work has affected you positively in the past and just spending time looking at their work, just enjoying the process. It yeah. can be quite cathartic, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Are there any photographers in particular who are really inspiring you right now? Anyone whose work you would look at right now and be like, oh, I want to take photos immediately? Um. There's a lot of photographers right now on Instagram that I really like. I haven't really been looking at photography, for example, like on Flickr or like any of the old platforms that I used to go on because I've been so busy with school. But some old photographers that I used to look at a lot were, I think, David Talley. He was a big inspiration for me. I loved his use of like color. His wife, I also really liked um, Kiara Talley, sorry, I I believe they're married. Um, I like Bella Kotak. Mm-hmm. If I'm pronouncing her last name wrong, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, her work especially has always been um, kind of like a magical feel to it. Kind of like ethereal, if you know what I mean. And the costumes that she uses in her work is really, really pretty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bella's work is outstanding. Just, I understand what you mean about fairy tale feeling. She uses the yeah. most beautiful backdrops and colors and oh, just yeah. perfect. absolutely perfect. Yeah, I think I, um, because my roommates actually subscribed to like a fairy magazine, I believe one of her photos was used on a fairy magazine. And I picked it up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is Bella. <laughs> so I thought that was crazy. It like blew my mind. Yeah, it's amazing. Some photographers have a very distinct style. And even if you saw mm-hmm. them somewhere and you didn't know it was them who had taken the photo, you would immediately mm-hmm. know that it was them. It's just yeah, having a style. That, it's like an amazing feeling. 
someone else that I've been liking is um, I think her name is Anya Anya Ati. Mm-hmm. Her use of color is also really really nice. I like the concepts that she shoots as well. But yeah, those are just to name a few. I'm a little bit bad with names recently, so <laughs> I'm just naming ones that I would look at when I was a lot younger. No, they're all great photographers, and I yeah. Oh, and um, Maron Doe or something. Her last name is DJL, but she's also really, really good to me. Oh, I've never seen her work. Oh, I'll have to send you some. <laughs> yeah, sure. And we, maybe we can include a link to all these photographers' work uh, works in the link in the description as well, so that while the listeners are listening to this, they can check them out and look for different kinds of inspiration. So. Yeah. I'll leave some links to these photographers' work in the description. But yeah, uh, I think it's yeah, it's, it's so wholesome to have a community where you can find a variety of inspiration because you specialize in portrait photography and conceptual, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. So there's so many photographers out there, millions, right? Who you can oh, get? Oh yeah, so many. It's amazing. So it is. You can take that for granted sometimes. I definitely do. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm out of inspiration. What can I do? But I have this whole like, online world of people who could inspire me. <laughs> yeah. I think it's easy to feel overwhelmed a bit too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a different side to it. Yeah, if you spend too much time online, you might end up comparing yourself to people or you just might end up feeling overwhelmed. That's also not good. Yeah. So I think you balanced that really well because you are a novelist. And oh, you, yeah. <laughs> which I think is so impressive. It's so difficult to write a book. It's difficult to write a um, novel. <laughs> so many words. You have to have a story. Yeah. That's a very different world. Uh, but I think it's still connected to photography in some way. So I feel like you can, you're really good at balancing your life in that way, taking photographs and also writing novels. What are the similarities between writing a novel and taking a photograph? Um, with not writing and taking a photograph, sometimes I picture scenes as photos that I want to take, or sometimes I'll actually be inspired to write from pictures or like pictures that I imagine. Like my my second book, um, the inspiration for it literally was a photo that I just had in my mind, like an idea I wanted to do someday. And I got inspired from that. And then from then on, the ideas just started flowing. And I started my book. So I think that even in different mediums or different art styles or different in general, the inspiration to me at least feels kind of the same like inspiration for coming up with a photo idea and inspiration for writing it's like that same type of rush that I get in my brain like that kind of happiness when you like can't stop and you need to write it down or or it's going to be gone forever because it's just like everything is just coming I don't know if you've experienced that but (laughs) absolutely yeah I can relate to that a little bit I think it's really beautiful that you are able to the photography feeds your novels and novels feed your photography in a way. In a way. It's just this beautiful relationship that you have uh, with all of these hobbies of yours. And yeah, it's it's exciting because I think it means that even when you're writing a novel, you're sort of still being creative as a photographer. Mm-hmm. 
So you're never really abandoning one of your hobbies. They're all always working inside of you and giving you inspiration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's um, something I used to struggle with a lot was I would feel guilty for not taking photographs and for doing something else that I enjoyed more in that moment. But in reality, I think it's okay to take breaks because these hobbies, they will still affect one another indirectly. Yeah, taking breaks is sometimes good, depending on the situation for somebody. I I actually, truth be told, I need to get back into shooting because I've taken kind of a long break from it. I did um, shoot an event last year, but that was a, it feels like a long time. Mm-hmm. So I actually, I definitely need to get back into photography. When was the last time you had a photo shoot that really inspired you and made you feel good about your work? Oh, it was when I was still living in Japan, I think, <laughs> which is a long time ago. I won't lie. Um, I think it was a a self-portrait shoot. Yeah, it was like a conceptual self-portrait that I did and it was one of the last ones I did before my I guess now it's been long enough I guess you can call it like a hiatus but that was back in I think it was a little bit before the pandemic hit and then from then on I've been doing mostly just event stuff and music stuff actually yeah it was that photo that shoot was it by any chance the one of you levitating um, no, there was, <laughs> there was like smoke coming out of my mouth. Oh, I can't, I don't remember seeing that one. <laughs> it was, it was a little bit late. It's called Smoke and Mirrors, but I think I did that back in late 2019. So I kind of feel guilty. I have not been doing as much. I've been kind of neglecting my photography. I don't think you should feel guilty. You're writing all full <laughs> novels. You're on your third novel right now, right? Yeah, I'm actually... A chapter away from being done actually I just finished my summer classes last night and they've been taking up all of my time this summer because one of my classes um is an honors class and that took up so much time but I actually just finished all of my work yesterday so I have about a month to finish it and I'm actually writing I think I'm maybe 10 or 11,000 words into my next book that's so, yeah I'm almost yeah I'm almost done <laughs> So incredible. you should be so proud of yourself. There's no reason to think <laughs> you're on your fourth novel, you're studying <laughs> hard, you're doing all these amazing things. Of course, photography can wait. And as you said, you are still indirectly using your photography skills to write your novels. So mm-hmm. I think it still counts as taking photos. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm a little hard on myself. So. Yeah, we all tend to be hard on ourselves, I think. That's true. Yeah, especially as photographers. I don't think there are any rules in photography. You have to take yeah. photos day of your whole life. I don't think that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. I feel like everybody has their own artistic outlook. Yeah. Which is why there's so many different styles in photography. And that's why before, when you said, sometimes you could just look at a photo and you know, oh, it's that photographer. So you mentioned earlier that you lived in Japan and now you're living in the U.S. And... Before we start recording, we talked a little bit about culture shocks and what it's like to move from one country to another, especially Mm -hmm. somebody who is creative. Before we talk about the transition, I'd love to talk about your experience living in Japan and how that affected Mm -hmm. you as a photographer. Okay. Um, 
living in Japan was a huge boost in my inspiration. Um, when I first got there, just being around the culture and everything that I wasn't familiar with just kind of jump-started my inspiration. I think for most foreigners, they kind of feel a similar way, even if they're not creative, because, you know, it's a new place. You're living in a new place. Everything is, you know, new and exciting. But for me, it kind of translated into making art and making stuff. I would um, walk around in my new neighborhood and I would go around and just do like um, little photo walks, like take photos of um, some of the houses and some of the streets because I lived in the countryside when I first moved to Japan. So there wasn't really any city around me. It was all fields and houses and the houses really inspired me because a lot of them in that um traditional Japanese style, like some of them look like castles almost, like their roofs were so beautiful. So just being in a surrounding that wasn't familiar to me, a little bit familiar, but ultimately I'd never been there before. And placing myself in a new setting just really gave me a new wave of creativity that only spurred <laughs> when I met new people. I um I had a Icelandic roommate because I first went there to go to school. So I started shooting her. And um, some of the friends that I made too, I started photographing them as well. So for me, at least, um, one of the things that inspires me a lot is the scenery, things outside. There's I can look at a place and know instantly if I want to shoot there someday. So a lot of my photos... Um, the outside ones, at least in Japan, are placed in a lot of scenic areas. So I think being there at first, it was a bit hard sometimes because, you know, you're not familiar with a place and a culture and the people. But at the same time, it kind of charged up my inspiration and my drive for creating I think at that time as well I was also around that time like I was super pumped to write more in my first book <laughs> so all in all it was a good experience first moving there yeah I can imagine that it was a good experience as you said when yeah. you to a new place or anytime you experience something that is completely new to you then your mind wakens fully just awaken yeah. new ideas so it's the perfect time to try new things and take photographs of course, that's not always possible if you're living in the same country. But I think even in the same country, you can find opportunities to awaken that creativity by uh, doing Definitely. something that's um, you know unexpected or surprising. Something that makes you go, oh, you know, oh, <laughs> I didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah, I think you can always find new settings um, where you live, too. Sometimes it takes a bit of digging, but. Oh, yeah, it's important to change the environment. PhotographyCourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. 
I specialise in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. But then you lived in Japan for a while, from a few years, and then you moved back to the US where you're originally from. But then it was a transition too. Maybe it was like moving to a new country all over again. Yeah, um, it was pretty hard for me. I'd been living there for about five and a half years. Um, and my cousin as well, um, she was living in Okinawa. And th that's a whole other thing. I felt so lucky to have like um, family in the same country. I had no idea she was there. But she also moved back. She moved back before me and she experienced almost the same thing. I know everybody's different when it comes to culture shock, depending on who you are and how long you stayed there. but. It was a bit difficult for me. Sometimes it's difficult even now, but I think also with COVID and stuff, it it kind of, it was a different experience coming home because of course at that time it was late 2020. So we were still kind of in the thick of it. So I felt like I was coming home, but it also felt different at the same time with the quarantines and um, the regulations. It was just kind of a chaotic time for me. Um, I understand why that would be chaotic. Pandemic, yeah. to a different country, culture shock. Yeah, well, overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> so it did take me a few, maybe a year and a half, a few years to kind of start to adjust myself back. But yeah, it's much better now. I'm glad that it's better. And I yeah. think your experience as a photographer was different than compared to how it was when you moved to Japan, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what well, was the pandemic when you couldn't freely move around and also this culture shock, you probably maybe didn't want to take photos that much? Yeah, I think maybe even up in, until like the end of 2021, it was kind of a time for me to look in and reflect and it it was a lot of me time <laughs> so figuring out what i wanted trying to deal with all of these emotions um about being put back in what almost felt like a different world but not it, it's such a weird feeling <laughs> when you like move back home but i can't even begin to describe it but yeah Dealing with that and then, you know, finding a new job and apartment stuff. Yeah, photography has been on the back burner for a little bit. Yeah, and for understandable reasons. I'm sure a lot of the listeners can relate to this and I can as well. Sometimes life is just there and you have to deal with certain things as an adult. And photography can't always be the number one priority. And that's completely fine. Yeah. When you lived I'm in excited Japan, to get back to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. 
Oh, no, 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 it's fine. When you lived in Japan, you did a lot of event photography, right? Um, yes, aside from my regular personal shootings, um, I did some event photography. Most of my event work has actually been in America, but I did a lot of um, live or um, concert photography, basically, with like various bands. I remember seeing your photos. They were really cool, really beautiful, intimate photographs uh, in concert. It's so difficult to achieve that look during a concert because it's so chaotic and everyone's cheering, right? (laughs) The lights are changing all the time. Yeah, I think um, at least from my experience, um, shooting lives, even going to lives because I really liked um a certain type of japanese subgenre um it's called visual k and when i was in school back before i started shooting lives um i would go to concerts frequently and um it's a pretty small subculture so a lot of the um what are they in english i know them as live houses concert houses concert hall mhm Live house. I don't know. I only know live house. I'm sorry. No worries. (laughs) But yeah, all the live houses over there are very small and intimate. Um, From my experience, I think maybe only 200 people max are like, you can fit them in there, depending Mm -hmm. on which which place you go to. So even when I started um, shooting bands, I did do some venues that were a lot bigger. But most of the time I was doing um, venue. That's what it is. <laughs> a lot of the time I was um, shooting venues that were very small, like the ones I used to go to. So it allowed me to get closer to them, um, the band at least, and just the size in general. I didn't really even need um, a macro lens. I would just take um, the lens that I'm always using. Because it's just so, it's small. The energy is still high, but it's a small place. And a lot of Japanese people at the concerts are kind of mindful. So I think that I was lucky to be able to get shots that looked like I had a macro lens when I didn't. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's nice to work with people who are mindful and considerate and polite. Yeah. Were you hired? Just the sizes. Yeah. Sorry. Were you hired to do these shoots or? Yeah. um, I first um, got into that. I don't know what you want to call it world. I first got into um, that world of music and concert photography from um, someone that I know. She's really nice. Um, She owns a company. In America that brings kind of Japanese artists and talent over um, so she knew some bands and so I got my first um, job from her actually from a connection and from there on from networking and meeting new people in that industry I kind of branched out to other bands as well not so many because I was still there as a teacher 
at the time that I was doing all of this. I never did any of that when I was a student, but um, I was still a full-time teacher. So I didn't do it often, but yeah, definitely through networking and um, meeting new people and definitely through her, I kind of delved into that world a little bit. That must have been very exciting because you were interested in that kind of music and you were able to attend those concerts and take photographs. I'm sure that was really inspiring for you. It was. Um, I also remember back when I was attending um, concerts or lives, um, sometimes I would see photographers and even though I would be there to enjoy the concert, I'd still be looking at them and I would be like, oh, I want to do that because <laughs> I, I knew maybe a few years after that that I wanted to or that I was interested in also um, just working with um, the music as industry in general, like shooting lives, um, shooting artists. I kind of like wanted to combine my love of music with photography. So I started getting really interested in um, shooting music around the end of my time in school. And I can imagine finding opportunities like this through connections is difficult in your own country, let alone in a foreign country where people speak a different language. And of course, you you speak Japanese, but still, do you have yeah. any tips for people who are living in a foreign country who want to make connections and find job opportunities as photographers? I would say, in my experience at least, the biggest thing that helped me was networking. I got all my gigs by just networking and talking with people. The person, her name is Rubab, who made it all happen. She, I looked out because she, you know, she's from America, so she speaks English. So, but she also speaks Japanese, of course, because she, she um, flies to Japan regularly and has business there with people in the music industry and all that stuff. So she's also bilingual, um, but I just looked out. And in my experience, for me, at least, I, my main connection was her so she spoke English but yeah definitely when I was on my own um, I found it a bit daunting to quote-unquote network especially in a different language but yeah I would say definitely if you're in a different country and um, it's not a language or the people don't speak a language that you do so if it's not in an English speaking country if you can speak a little bit um, I still feel like it can go a long way. So I would just talk to people and network. I think I'm sure it's important in a lot of countries, but um, business cards as well. Um, I also made a lot of business cards after like the first few lives. So I would hand out business cards to everybody that I met. It could have been the president of a record company or it could have been like um, hair or makeup people because they work as well in that type of industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful advice. And speaking of business cards, I don't think we've ever talked about this on the podcast. What should you include when you create a business card as a photographer? What information is the most important? Ooh, what did I put on my Macy? Other than a phone um, number and an email, I mean, <laughs> what else? Yeah, for me, um, I had my name on there. I had what kind of 
photographer I was. Um, what else did I have on my May sheet? It's been a few years. Mine were very plain and simple too. <laughs> I had um, an old one when I was really young that was really nice and it had like a picture on the back. If you can get business cards that are nice, I would recommend it. But if not, then that's fine. Um, but yeah, I would have my name, what kind of photography I did. And then I think after that, I just had my email or phone number. Well, in Japan, I had my line because a lot of people use line. Um, but yeah, I think for me, that's all I had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it, the simpler it is, the better, depending on the kind of photography you're doing, I guess. But it would be nice to include a photograph just as an example, if possible. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot you can do with business cards. There's so many websites where you can design your cards and order them for a good amount of money. You don't need to pay a lot. It's it's a great way mm -hmm. to make connections. Even now, you'd think that most connections are made on LinkedIn or something or maybe on Instagram. But in reality, business cards, like physical business cards, are still very handy. Yeah, they are. You also do self-portrait photography mentioned earlier that I think the last shoot you did was a self-portrait shoot so that's something that we have in common that we both enjoy doing yeah <laughs> it's great I love your self-portraits you are oh, very thank you you're very emotive it's very clear that you care about what you're doing you're expressing something I can always feel something when I'm looking at your self-portraits in particular do you have any tips for people who want to take better self-portraits yeah I would say keep trying um I know it sounds simple but I would say experiment with your ideas even the ones that seem silly um I always tend to trust my gut because again I feel like everybody has their own unique artistic outlook so I still feel like even if your session doesn't go how you plans I feel like you still gain some experience and kind of get an idea of knowing what would work for you and what doesn't. For me as well, practice sessions um, kind of keep me sharp on Photoshop or Lightroom because I've had a long hiatus and sometimes I can't remember how to do something that I used to do. So I think that sometimes practice sessions are also good. Um, you might, depending on what your idea is, you might even learn a new trick in Photoshop as well for an idea that you have. Um, other tips, I would say what really helped me out, especially in the beginning, if you were poor like me and had almost no money um, to buy like lights or anything, I would say that reflectors are a good um, tool for people who are kind of tight on a budget, especially if they shoot indoors. Um, it kind of amplifies the light you work with depending on the what color side that you have um that really helped me a lot when I was doing self-portraits inside a nice reflector um cloudy days I normally shot on cloudy days because I like the the soft lighting so I usually tried to shoot in cloudy weather um my second favorite lighting is you know golden hour too so I usually shot during those two times but more than anything, I would say if you have an idea, draw it out um, because sometimes 
you can forget like the angle that you're at or how you wanted to pose or anything like that. Um, so I would always draw out my ideas as thoroughly as I could. I had a DSLR that wasn't the best. It wasn't compatible with any kind of like a wireless remote or anything. So I had to, it took me a long time to set up for my self-portrait sessions. I would have to like, um, get an object and kind of, you know, focus it on my camera and lock it and take a picture and then go back and see if I was in focus. So for me, at least it was a big process of trying to get myself in focus. So I would say if you have um, a camera that you can use a wireless remote on or a camera that that was a lot nicer than mine to just keep shooting. Sometimes I would take hundreds of photos and then I would just go back through them. And if I found the exact thing I wanted, I would be like, yeah, that's it. So I would say to just persevere, I would say shoot out all of the ideas that you have, even if you think they might be a little bit silly, even if you don't think you'll ever show anybody. Because <laughs> the more you practice, I feel like the more confident you become. So yeah, that's great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. I especially agree with what you said about just shooting for yourself and not worrying about yeah. feeling silly because that's something mm-hmm. I feel all the time during my shoots. Me and too. I've been doing this for years and I still feel really silly mm-hmm. sometimes. It's normal. We're all humans. Mm-hmm. We don't look perfect all the time. <laughs> yeah. We have our best angles and our worst angles and I think the most important thing for anyone who's interested in any kind of photography, but especially self-portrait photography, is to enjoy the process, not to care too much about the results. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I always feel like self-portraits are kind of like an intimate time with yourself in a way. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're not just photographing the world around you. You're not photographing other people. You have to go... Uh, inside of yourself in a way and express something Mm -hmm. it's not always easy to do in everyday life let alone Mm -hmm. camera so it's a great exercise to yeah uh, express yourself be a bit more vulnerable and as Catherine says if if something doesn't go your way if you make a mistake you still learn something new and you might surprise yourself you should always be open to surprising yourself I think Mm -hmm. definitely wonderful advice thank you so much for sharing it Thank you. I kind of rambled. So, Catherine, I have one more question for you. And that is, Mm -hmm. what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Oof. Um, my dreams aren't exactly huge. Um, I do have somewhere they might've got lost in the move, but I have this big notebook of ideas that I want to shoot. I want to one day, hopefully, make all of those ideas a reality. Some of them are kind of big ideas with like costumes and props. So I'd love to get all of the ideas that I actually have out of my head. That would feel really good. Um, at this point, I don't know if it's a bit of a pipe dream, but I would love to work with more bands in the future as well, as well as just photographers that I really like. Yeah, it's a great uh, follow-up question to that. Is there a band in particular that you would absolutely love to photograph more than any other band? 
<laughs> is there I don't know if there's a band that when I look at them I go oh my gosh I want to photograph them someday but as far as bands go I would say I like to photograph bigger bands like uh, maybe the Gazette I'm still talking about Japanese bands because I'm still used to that world but <laughs> they would be pretty pretty fun to shoot I think and also challenging because they tend to go and work in really big venues but that would that would be just a dream that I have That's really cool <laughs> yeah I'm sure the listeners uh, if they're not already familiar with their, your work they want to check it out and I'll have a link uh, to Catherine's work in the description but how can people find you um I have an Instagram that I think I keep I keep up with the most a 500 px and a Flickr, but i tend to go on my instagram account most often so just those three okay i'll link to those in the description Catherine, thank you so much for your time it was really nice to catch up with you to talk about your photography with you uh, it's always nice to catch up with uh, people who i've been admiring for a long time so thank you so much for sharing your experiences with the listeners and with me and I wish you all the very best with your photography journey. Thank you. Likewise, Ty. It was really nice to be on here. The Great Big Photography World wouldn't be what it is without our incredible listeners. We're grateful for the time you take to listen to other photographers' stories and share your feedback with us. If you'd like to help us keep this podcast running smoothly, you can become a member on our website. In return for your help, we'll provide you with all kinds of exciting perks go to greatbigphotographyworld.com. There's a link to it in the show notes. I love catching up with my photographer friends. It's always nice to hear about their progress and about their experiences. Even though I know Catherine personally, I was surprised by some of the things that she shared and I learned a lot of things and I hope that you did too. If you want to share your thoughts on this episode, feel free to join our new online photography community. We share updates about the podcast episodes every week. We share summaries and we also accept comments from our listeners. So we're always interested in hearing from you. If there's anything you want to share about this episode, if you want to ask Catherine some questions, let us know. There's a link to it in the description. See you soon. There's a simple reason why photographycourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.